Welcome back to another exciting week in the Web3 universe. I'm your host, The Mayor, and you're listening to the best NFT media-nominated NFT and Chill podcast, the show that discusses interesting topics with artists, creators, and thought leaders from the Web3 space. On this week's episode, I'll be talking with Mitchell Robertson, and the topic for today is what to look for when investing in NFTs. So sit back and chill while we explore the exciting world of NFTs together. Hope you enjoy the show. My guest on the show today is Mitchell Robertson. Mitchell, you want to give him an introduction? Yes, uh, my name is Mitchell Robertson, uh, originally from Sydney, Australia. I've uh, really been able to scale a lot of businesses through Acom. So my knowledge in, in business and things like that gave me a little bit of a start into how I go about researching NFTs. It's been a, been a bit of an addiction ever since. Yeah, for sure. I know that game. Yeah, it's cool if you're from Australia. We, uh, the project that I work for, Facebook Mafia, we have a lot of holders from Australia. So I'm used to being up at like three, four o'clock in the morning hanging out with them. So it's very cool. Good to have you yeah. on the show, man. Yeah, good to be here. You know, what you look for in a project when you're looking to buy an NFT, invest in an NFT, basically, let's get into a little bit of that. I guess for me, really what it comes down to is just minimizing risk. Before I kind of, you know, go into anything, um, I think it's really important just to know that everybody has their own risk appetite and everyone's in, in different situations with how much capital they can invest and things like that. But there's a lot of, I guess, different kind of metrics and things you can look at that can be considered like red flags or pros and cons. And and then each person will kind of determine their, their own risk appetite from there. When did you start trading NFT? The first NFTs I bought were around mid last year, so around May 2021. And that wasn't actually trading. I was just buying kind of uh, art-based, like one-of-one uh, from photographers and things like that. And then as I kind of learned a bit more about days, um, I started just doing kind of little flips. Start, I lost a little bit of money. I wasn't didn't really have any strategy. I was just trying to like buy and sell. But then really got uh, really heavily into it. Around August, September 2021, started pushing a lot more capital and, and really Treating it like a business, you know, like I'm investing in a business, you know, I'm, I'm putting my money into this team, believing that they're going to be able to deliver a software or, or a project or whatever the deliverables are that they're saying in their roadmap and doing these things. So yeah, definitely. Getting involved with the project is kind of my route. I do my research first, like that's, you know, on the show, I'm always preaching about doing your research and making sure that it's a product you believe in. After I buy into the project, I like to become an active member of the community and just, you know, help the project grow. You know, jump into discords and, you know, start to meet different people in the different holders channels and, you know, start to de develop uh, different relationships and, and sharing, you know, good alpha, you know, between different people and things like that. So what was your first project? Not one and one. Your I'll say the first main project um, that really kind of changed the game for me was Clone X by Artifact. Do you know that project? I do, I do. Yeah, so that was the first main one that I really kind of aped in on. But that one was the first one I went really heavy on. Um, it cost me like three ETH at the time, which is at the time I was around 12,000 uh, US. So really, really big investment, obviously. That project has been like my my guiding star of the team. So I really believe in that team. And a lot of the things that I learned from what they have done in their past helps me definitely look for those in, in projects now, I guess, because they're really 
you know, really strong indicators. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's good to like see some projects that you know have done well, projects that you're looking into for the future, like, you know, if you're looking to mint or just buy into a project. It is good to see that they're doing similar things, right? That other projects that have done really well are doing. I mean, that's definitely there's a lot of similarities in this space. People who've come first, the other projects want to duplicate that roadmaps with, you know, community building and onboarding and just the management of the community in general. So that's definitely a yeah. good indicator if you know a project you can go off. Yeah, definitely. And that's really how I've created it. everything in business, really. It's like, uh, there's a saying, it's like stand on the shoulders of giants. People that have already paved the way and done all this hard work you now get the chance to kind of stand on their shoulders, learn from everything they've done, all their mistakes, everything they've done right, uh, and then just apply that into your project. Obviously, you want to make it yours as well. So, you know, add your own flavor and change things up and kind of give it your taste. You know, why would you want to go through and, and try to reinvent the wheel if you can learn from people that have already paved the way? Let's say a business comes out with something brand new. They're usually not the one that like makes a fortune from it. It's always like the next person. Yeah, that's right. Well, Google wasn't the first search engine, right? Like, exactly. It's not who does it first, it's who does it best. Let's go through, I guess, some of the things you look for in a project. Yeah, for sure. I guess from just surface level, a bunch of things I'll look for first are just different social indicators. You know, how active they are in their different social media, usually Discord and Twitter. Other other team really getting involved. You can see that, you know, if people are having problems with anything, they're, they're really active in trying to help and trying to make their project better for their community. Different, I guess, social indicators with seeing if different Discord channels have, you know, a lot of bots and, you know, obviously there's a lot of projects coming out. A lot of people buy fake Discord users and fake Twitter followers and things like that. So some projects still do well with that. But for me, it's just a red flag. That's not obviously something that's sustainable. Build, building slow and, you know, organically over time is way better than just trying to have such big hype straight away because they usually just die off uh, pretty quick. Exactly. Um, or organic growth is so important in this space. So many projects are realizing that and trying to catch up because maybe they hate an influencer or a celebrity got that short spike. And then when that celebrity moved on, they came back down to earth. And, you know, if their community wasn't strong to begin with, you know, that can spell trouble for a project. Definitely. You can only ride that hype for so long, right? Exactly. Yeah, I guess if, if you have a couple more things that you look for, definitely active community, an organic true following, and a Discord where there, you know, it isn't riddled with bots. But what, what other indicators would you say that? Yeah, so a few other things is, or are just really a high level view of the online presence of the, the project as a whole. So this might come from my e-commerce background, but I'll always go through websites and just get a general feel of, you know, how it's being built, make sure it's not buggy and glitchy. It hasn't, you want to make sure that no expenses have been spared. They're, they're really investing into this project. It's uh, polished. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, if the team are doxxed, checking and checking them out on LinkedIn, seeing what their past is like. You don't want to see someone in the lead marketing role, for example, that's never had a job in marketing. You know, Definitely. It, it might do well, but, you know, if you're looking for the best of the best, that, you know, that's probably not going to be it. Yeah. So looking at, I guess, the, the past of the team. So if you've ever had any uh, projects that have released before the one you're about to mint as well is a good one. 
Personally, I've never really understood the anonymity of the NFT space, especially with the team members and founders and artists. You know, they're putting out a product. They're putting out, you know, something that they need customers and, and users for. So personally, I'm a huge doxing advocate. You know, not necessarily your address, but you should be out there in the open. These people who are buying into your projects essentially are shareholders. They're going to be there for the long haul. They're, they're your community. Yeah, I've never understood. I mean, I know there's a couple blue chip projects where the team is still not doxed. And to me, that's a red flag. I'm hearing that so much now in the NFT space that hopefully that'll be a thing of the past. I guess it just goes back to what we were saying earlier about, um, you know, minimizing your risk, right? Like just because the team isn't docked doesn't mean it's not going to do well, but it, it just adds that little layer of risk. So, you know, having a team that's fully docked and, you know, this team is always sharing on their Twitter and really promoting it on their socials and really putting their personal face and, and name behind it. Um, you know, that gives me so much more confidence in them. Um, and the fact that they're going to, you know, really reinvest and, and put their time to, to build this community because they've, they've put their name on it, which, you know, you can never escape. So yeah, that's, that's a big indication for me. 100%. I'm with you fully on that. Getting into a little bit of the numbers. What, what do you look for with floor price? Me personally. Like floor price is fine and, and everything, but it's not the be all end all for what I look for now. How do you feel about that? Yeah. So if I'm looking at projects that have already minted and I'm looking to buy on the secondary, I would say mainly though, I'm looking at volume. Yeah. Really, really the volume. So say on OpenSea, uh, I'll jump in the activity section, see you know, how many are being bought around that floor price or if, if they're being bought, you know, if the floor is, let's say 0.1, you know, maybe some might be selling for 0.8 or, or 1 or 2. So really looking at what others are selling for rather than only the floor price and also how often they're selling. Obviously, you know, right after a project launches, that activity is going to be pretty hot. But if it's a project that's standing the test of time, then that activity should still remain strong um, even days and weeks after they've launched. For sure. And, you, you know, you want to look for people buying above floor that's always a good indicator yeah. too. Big of an impact does project and their community's activity on Twitter. Is that an indicator for you? Do you look at that as well? Definitely, yeah. So uh, I actually referenced this recently and I always use Conex as a um, as an example because I just, I think they've just really nailed what they've done. Um, and obviously, I mean, Nike's bought them now. So obviously, Nike thinks they're doing something right as well. Um, but you can see on their Twitter, if they put up a post, you know, GM and good morning, obviously the, the amount of comments that they get on that thread is, you know, you can tell they're not bot comments because people are replying with GM and, and uploading like custom memes. Um, and if Artifact have posted like one of their clones saying GM, a lot of people are posting their clone with speech bubbles and things like that. So you can tell the community is really. I guess taking their time to, to be active in their group, you know, I, I could just jump on my phone and just hit GM on any post, but the fact that people are making these custom images and, and, you know, getting a lot of retweets and things like that is, is definitely a good indication for me. It's, it's not something I'll obviously only rely on that, but with socials, that's one of the first things that I look at. And that's definitely something that'll make me keep wanting to look into this project. Yeah, for sure. I've noticed that there is definitely a little bit of a correlation with Activity on Twitter and how a project does, you know, their floor price, their volume, 
uh, all of it together. I mean, when you see a project and its community is, they have 100, 200, 300 very active community members on Twitter, replying to each other's posts, posting about the project, dropping their NFTs. You know, the yeah. project has 15 to 20,000 followers. Whenever they post, there's a ton of engagement. I've seen quite a bit of correlation with that, with how well the project does. Definitely. Especially if you see a few uh, a few comments on there from bigger, I, I don't want to say influencers, because I don't, I don't mean influencers, but people that you can see that have you know, bigger portfolios in the, in the NFT space, you know. So, you know, let's say a collection um, drops a status and then a few people commenting on there. Usually I go for the people that have the, the .eth names. You know, I'll, I'll just look at, I'll look those people up and see what their wallets are like, what they've collected, what their portfolios are like. And if you can see that, you know, some of these people that have, you know, two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars worth of NFTs just sitting there, they're stronger social signals as well. I mean, in my eyes. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, uh, it's something that I think gets overlooked from the casual buyer for sure. You know, over the summer, like when we were trading in August and September, the artwork really meant something. And the market is so saturated now. You know, there's so many projects that drop every single day. You really have to do quite a bit of digging, find the right ones. Yeah, I, I agree. And I feel like that allows you to have more confidence in your investment as well, though. So, you know, especially if you find that the, the projects are, I guess, offering a good service with it. So, yeah, if, if you can see that, you know, they have real world products to go along with their NFTs. What is your outlook on these different chains and the NFTs on them? Ethereum is definitely the main player. What do you see these chains like Solana and Polygon and like Tezos? In the future, like, are they still going to be relevant? What is your, what is the future of these other NFT chains? Yeah. So just like with anything, there's you know, even Amazon, one of the biggest retailers in the world has competitors, you know, like a Walmart, like a, um, you know, some of these other big names that, so I, I do believe that there'll always be uh, space for more than just one chain. And I guess like each of them have their own purpose. Uh, I have taught a few people kind of research NFTs and, and, I guess my process behind it. And uh, usually I do get people to start researching uh, ETH-based NFTs just because the volume is just so high. There's just so much data to look at. I think that Solana blockchain really does have its space. Like I was saying, like, you know, some of these NFTs are one or two sold, which for now, you know, right now it's like, you know, 100 US. So I do, I do believe it's it's got its space. And, you know, as more is built on that, I do believe there's there's a lot more room to grow for sure. Obviously, ETH is king. Yeah, see, I, that's, I say eat this king all the time. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Mitchell. This was really educational. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to get a lot from this because people are constantly trying to figure out, you know, what to look for and when they're searching for NFTs, especially just getting into the game. So I want to thank you, Mitchell, for coming on the show. If you want a few last words and where people can find you and reach out to you. Yeah, for sure. So thanks for having me on, first of all. It's actually been a really good chat. And yeah, anyone that wants to reach out, I think Instagram would be the best place. So uh, my Instagram is uh, Alex2. And yeah, shoot me a DM. You know, I'm happy to chat. Cool. Well, this has been a blast. I'm, I'm glad you came on. This was a real pleasure. We'll talk soon. Awesome, mate. Yeah, great to meet you as well. And that wraps up this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Mitchell Robertson, for coming on and talking about the NFT market and what to look for when you're doing your research on projects and looking to buy NFTs. 
He's been very successful since he got into the NFT market, and it was really great insight. We share a lot of the same beliefs, so when you're doing your research and you're, you know, you're looking into how active the community is and their social media accounts and the team, all that stuff is extremely important, especially in the saturated market. You can also reach out to Mitchell on his Instagram. Until next time, we'll have another great episode. I'm the mayor, and you've been listening to the NFT and Chill podcast.